This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 78. The Finale. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Show's over. <laughs> all right. Here we are at the end. It was fun. but It was all a end. dream. Yeah. I have to go back to the island now. It would have been a... It, I, I would be happy to know that it was... No, because then that would have mean that that's what I was doing while I was sleeping, which means while I was sleeping, I was not getting good sleep, you know? <laughs> if if the tournament was all a dream, then it it was not a peaceful night's rest, okay? <laughs> It was uh, rolling around in the covers. I'm not comfortable. Oh, I'm too hot. Now I'm too cold. Yeah. Now uh, I, I, oh, I, I'm going to get out of bed and I'm going to lay on the floor now for some reason. Oh, it's cold. Haven't, it's too cold on the floor. Haven't we complained about this tournament enough? Let's complain. When does it stop? No, let's, let's start this right and say, oh, but, oh, it was so long. I'm so bored. I didn't want to do it anymore. Oh, <laughs> poo poo baby. <laughs> Uh, can, I want to get something out of the way here, real, yeah, real quick too, ahead. because this, this was plaguing the Twitch chat of the um, of the finals, which which is what we're going to talk about today. But something I kept noticing in the Twitch chat is people kept referring to me as though I was doing commentary in the Twitch chat, which I definitely was not. Right. Uh, so I I think even to this day, after seventy seven episodes, this is our seventy eighth episode. Well, technically we have this is like our eighty somethingth episode. Right, because of your uh, stupid hi, numbering system. I'm Matt Martins. This is what my voice sounds like. Yeah, Hunter. Hi, I'm Hunter. This is what my voice sounds like. Okay. <laughs> and we're joined today. Who are we with? Hey, hey, Alex. Say hey. Hey, I'm Alex. Also, root. Yeah. His right. voice isn't as uh, the same as Hunter's and uh, and mine. Although I don't think our voices are that similar, but apparently people say we sound pretty similar. Yeah, I mean, I I could see for them because I mean, it's where we both, you know, we're both mud children from, <laughs> you know, the swamplands of Arkansas, Arkansas, right. like right. we say, woo pig. We have that we have that woo pig way about us. Right, right. We're both ha- we're pigmen. We're half pig. Where are you from, Alec? Where are you from from? Not like I know you're in Minnesota, but where are you from from? Well, I'm in Wisconsin, but Wisconsin, good try. not Minnesota. Whatever. <laughs> it's the same. It's all the same, right? Oh, oh boy. I feel, <laughs> I feel bad you're for in you. Madison. That's what I was thinking. Of. Uh, I I grew up my my formative years, most formative years I spent in New Mexico. Oh, okay. uh, the land of That's enchantment. So I was afraid of you because I know you lived in Florida for a while, and I was afraid of you saying you were from Florida. And so we're like, oh, he's got it a lot worse. That's not great. <laughs> nope. Um, thankfully, I only spent six years there. Ah, oh. <laughs> that's not so uh, bad. Hey, do you guys want to talk about? Yeah, this, this is a really uh, wandery start for thing. like we. This is I, a wandery start. Yeah, I th- for... I I think we're just exhausted. I think because of how business forward this podcast has had to be for so long. Right. That sometimes it feels good to just start a podcast like it's a cool thing and you're just talking, <laughs> you know. But no, we're here today to talk about uh, the finals, how they went, 
Um, you can. I want to put this up at the beginning. Uh, you can watch yeah. them on YouTube, correct? Not yeah. all of it yes. at this point, or it's, all of it. It'll be there. I mean, by the time people are listening to this episode, it'll all be up there. Yeah. Cool. There's three parts. Yeah. Three or four. Three. Ideally, three parts. There might be a fourth part. There might be a fourth part that's just like the last thirty minutes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so it's up there. You can watch it. Please watch it. Like. We are um, we're going to talk about the game in a very kind of general way at the beginning of this, and there then there will be a point where we're going to say yes. that it's spoiler oh, time. You should you should know that yeah it is it is spoiler free for a while. We're going to talk about the game, but you don't have to have watched it if you are still wanting to watch it. Definitely, you can listen for the first bit, but we will let you know when the spoilers kick in. We'll, yeah, we will give you fair warning. I do yeah. want to talk mention about the video real quick. It's it's a different video than any of the videos we've done it up is. to now. Yeah, uh, we've already had a couple comments about the commentary on that video, and it's very different. We treated that video as a uh, game and a video that people might sometime in the future watch, having zero experience with Twilight Imperium. Yeah. So I went into that commentary explaining some very basic things that, yes. like regular viewers of the show, already know. Right. Yeah, and I well, the reason we did that too is because. Um, all of the other videos we've been putting out for all these games, those are more like a catalog of mm-hmm. the tournament. Those are those are historical documents that were important to preserve. The final game is something that, in my mind, I mean, there were 108 players in this tournament. These are the six best players, in my mind, in the world. I'm not going to mm-hmm. qualify that. Like, they're the six best players in the world. Mm-hmm. And so you're, if you watch that this final game... It, you're watching the best game of Twilight Imperium that has ever been played. It's been, I'm I, and like I mean that. Like I think you're, that holds you're watching up. No, people that, that, who are no, at no, the no, top no. of their game. This is what TI looks like when it is at the highest level. No, that's what. We, and we should say that at the beginning, just so you guys know, it was the best game. Like right, it was yeah. the best. It actually was, which is why we're so excited to do this episode today too. Is because not only was it just like a lot of stakes rising, riding on it, but it's like it actually was a very, very, very good game. Can too. we start? Can we just go ahead and start with the like scripting thing? Like it felt like this game went so good. It right. felt like we were, like that we had scripted the game. Like right, it felt like right. we had decided all the victory which, points that were going to come out, all the agendas. Yes, and here's Which the thing: we, we have did. joked about. Right, we've we have joked. You, Hunter, and I have said someday we want to do a stream where we don't tell the players we're rigging the deck against them, <laughs> but yeah. we want that. That is a goal of ours. And this game felt like as good of a game as we would have gotten had we put all the objectives in as like the perfect formula of them and agendas coming mm-hmm. out at like the exact right time to right. have the most dramatic impact. Right. I mean, it was a perfect game. Yeah. Of Ti, it's so like all that it's like the say, game knew what we were right, doing. Right, <laughs> the game the game yeah. knew the stakes. Yeah, the game um, was like, the, all right, I gotta be serious right now. Okay, this is not a screwing around affair. Uh, there's a hundred people watching me yeah, right there's now. There's a hundred people watching me. I'm Twilight Imperium, and I'm gonna do this. <laughs> um, but that so we knew this game was gonna have kind of like a longer lasting appeal. Um, mm-hmm. Someone can you know someone can show someone else this game, and and say this is like this is what. Ti can look like, um, and I—I I mean, I feel sorry for anyone who doesn't know anything about Ti and goes in to watch this 13-hour-long video. But <laughs> but, but, but you should still, be able to watch the video sh- and understand right. what's going on, even if you've never played a game before. Exactly. Root put a lot of work into covering a lot of the basics of like what is happening, especially in those early rounds. You kind of yeah. get you you come up to speed with it, and then by round four or five, it's like okay, now we're in kind of a groove here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but let's let's 
let's dial things back a little bit. Let's talk Whoop. about uh, the map. The map. Yeah. We didn't yeah. do yeah. we didn't do a preview episode of the map like we've done with all the other uh, maps for and, this. And why was that, Matt? What was the decision there? Um, I really wanted to. <laughs> I got called out for on this, but I, I and I love the way this conversation went, which is like I wanted to challenge the players. Right. Right. They've had they've had many games now of being able to look at this map and prep it, and that was part of those rounds design. Right. We wanted mm-hmm. the players to invest time beforehand of researching about the map and kind of being like, what do I really, really want to do? I want to take this seriously. Like you would in any other like eSport. You know, in StarCraft, players are aware of the maps and what strategies they need to employ on that specific map. Mm-hmm. So this go around, I was like, what if we shake it up and they don't get to know anything about the map until the moment they start playing? Which, as it turns out, is the way the board game Twilight Imperium is normally played. Right. Uh, you wow. Know normally you just build the map and then you're that's the map you have. Uh, so... We they, The players didn't build the map. We did have a preset map. We just didn't let them see it. And uh, I'll be honest. I've been working on... Not, I say I. We've been working on this map since November. Yeah, but it's been a lot... Like, I think you can say you. Like, th- this is... This this map... Uh, I mean, I, maybe I'll just speak for myself. I'll just say that, that I... My part in this map was mostly... Yeah, that looks good. Like, that's mostly... Yeah, like that's, an executive. That's right. mostly... <laughs> I mean, that was that was a lot of my input too. I think I had one or two notes during the development of the map, but it right. wasn't right. much. <laughs> right. But there were there were six different versions of this map over the course of the the few months that I've been messing with it. And let's talk about the the themes of this map. Uh, the map is posted up on the uh, Twilight Imperium subreddit if you want to take a look at it. But and and we won't even we don't need to do as big of a breakdown because it's not as important with here there's only one game being played on it mm-hmm. um but the, there's there's like two major ideas at play with this map first and foremost all of the equidistant systems are single planet systems right. uh the goal there being no sharing, no sharing. we don't you nobody gets share. to split yeah you cannot split those equidistance someone's going to get there first and someone's going to have that planet now because they're equidistant it's not like they're like the most powerful planets but still um, then within pie slices, which as we've described before, pie slices are the three planets adjacent to you. And then the one path that is directly, uh, the one system that is directly on your path to Mechatol Reds. The, the three tiles that are adjacent. The three to tiles. Yes. Right. So within those four tiles, that is your home slice. And then including your home system. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with every single slice, you have one double planet system to your right. You have one red-backed system, so whether that's an anomaly or an empty tile or whatever, or a wormhole, you have something to your left. And then in front of you, there were two types of slices. Um, and they were, it was like every other slice was one of these two styles. One was a system adjacent to home. Uh, so you can have kind of a nice little turtle situation, right? You've got two planet, two, two, two planet systems adjacent to home, mm-hmm. but then the planet, or the system tile next to Mechatol Rex on your path was some sort of mildly annoying anomaly in two of the system or two of their cases it was uh asteroid fields and in the other it was the gravity rift so like you can go straight to mechatol if you want to but you either need anti-mass or you gotta risk it through the rift uh the other type of slice was one where the the tile right in front of your home system was empty just complete empty space and then you had a decent uh two planet system adjacent to mechatol rex so what that means is two things one you only have two planets adjacent to your home. So you feel a little starved right at first, but then you have a pretty good forward base. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the main thing being, this is supposed to encourage people to be aggressive 
towards Mechatorax. It gives somewhere to set up. I mean, honestly, the main thing is like it's it, any of those slices should, in theory, be good for someone like Extra. Extra gets out there, sets up a base in front of Mechatorax, and has this really scary force surrounding Mechatol. Uh, now that can change depending on how you feel about playing extra, but but that's the idea: is setting up some sort of aggressive posi position on Mechatol in half the slices, and some sort of defensive position that's a little bit annoying to get to Mechatol in all the other slices, mm -hmm. um, and then making them play it out from there. And the big thing within all that then is this map was designed with the draft sort of in mind. You're supposed to try to get factions that specifically fit into that slices style. Uh, there, there wasn't really supposed to be an idea of, like, some slices are good, some slices are bad, so ideally a good faction ends up in a bad slice. It's more like certain factions just would not be able to do well in this type of slice because it doesn't have the positioning that this kind of faction needs. Right. Yeah, I think about uh, anti-mass deflectors for all of the... for both the slices that had asteroid fields in between them and Mechatol Rex. Um, right. If you're having to pick up anti-mass, the likelihood that... And you don't you you don't start with it. That means you're also you don't have gravity drive unless you're like ghost. That's the only example. Right. Um, right. In which case you're probably not beating anybody to the custodians, which is a problem. Right. Like yes, yeah. yeah. Um. So so I, that's kind of all there is to really cover about the map. You can watch the game and see how it played out yourself. But but the main goal being, I wanted to lessen a little bit of the symmetry. So far, every map has had very very even symmetry right. between all six slices and this one was like let's shake it up a little bit there's like half symmetry mm -hmm. because of the two varying styles yeah. of mm -hmm. slices but at the end of the day too the slice encourages uh kind of a, a form of aggression i don't know it's I, I don't i wouldn't even say i can't say what kind of map i really think it plays out as i think it's a mixture of the different philosophies of the prelims map and both the semis and knockout map. I felt, I felt like yeah. the prelims map was kind of about like, you're safe, like, you know, have, mm -hmm. have, have your area and everything will be okay. Um, and that's like all of the ones where you have the early expansion is, is right. you're just, you're just a little bit safer, um, yeah. naturally. Uh, and then the other slices are more of a risk it for the biscuit tight right like yeah you're not Get as safe yeah but but you could possibly push it further in the mid to late game uh right. which i feel i feel like the semis and knockout maps both kind of had a theme of like uh yeah it's like it's it's a riskier style of map and you might get more out of uh risking that basically right right well should we talk about the the draft of this actual game itself the the yes the finals game yes yes, yes uh yes. well First off, I mean, you, if you watch, if you listen to last week's episode, you know uh, our six players were Janor, Mage, Magi, Schroeder, Vaunt, and the Nine of Spades. So let's talk about the draft. Uh, what what are just I think what were your guys' big important takeaways from the draft? Well, um, I mean, I think the most obvious thing is that most, not every player, but a lot of the player, and actually, uh, well, okay, I have a two two-pronged point to make here um, <laughs> so four of the players got factions that if you had asked me what faction they would want probably most i would have said probably that faction specifically yeah specifically right. down to the yes. faction not like right. their second pick like what i would consider their first pick yeah, and right. then the other two players didn't but also, the other two players didn't have a faction that I would have already said was their yeah, thing. Yeah. Nine like of more Spades of a gray area. was basically like a jack-of-all-trades. I didn't know what he was doing. Like he, sure. <laughs> he, 
he was the only win for the Yin Brotherhood in the tournament, and he was the only yep. win for the Muat. So, like, dude has no... There's no profile for this guy. Yes. I don't know what he does. <laughs> yeah, you you right. couldn't ban him out if you wanted to. Right. right. And and then right. Vaunt, I'm not really sure what... I'm not sure what Vaunt would have wanted, uh, but I actually feel like maybe I'm just a little ignorant to what specific factions kind of fall into his, his meta, but his meta seemed a little more like... I don't know. I mean, you could probably do this with any... I don't, I'm not sure there is a specific faction yeah. uh, that leans towards us. I don't know. I, how right. do you feel, Matt? I feel like you know Vaunt a little, uh, a little I think he wants. I, I think he does want powerful factions because he wants, at the end of the day, he doesn't want... He's not looking to use leverage, but he wants to make sure he has it as a backup plan because mm-hmm. he's leaning into diplomatic relations a lot, and if any of those ever fail, he needs another plan. He can't... Re- I, I don't think of him as a Hakan player. Yeah. Right, because right. he's he's not trading all the time. He's just dealing with people. Mm-hmm. So factions that just at least have some sort of either military superiority or some sort of economic superiority uh, that you don't have to work for, but you just get those are ones that I would see him getting, and he got something like that. I right. w- I would say. Yeah, I I I think so. Um, uh, yeah, go ahead, Root. I I want to say that uh, the four o'clock slice with the supernova got picked last and i kind of feel like it's probably the best general slice on the map i think so everybody really everyone me. has said a different best slice <laughs> and we should talk a little bit too we did two test games on this map mm-hmm. uh, hunter you and root played in one game and i played in another mm-hmm. uh and in between those two games, we saw all six slices perform very well and mm-hmm. end up in your game. The three non mechatol or the the three mechatol focused slices were the ones that seemed like they were the hottest performers. And uh, what eight o'clock ended up winning your game, which most people were saying eight o'clock is the worst slice, and eight yeah. o'clock won in your yeah. game. And then in my game, it was the exact opposite. All the defensive slices did very, very well. So I think this game, this this map, just relies on you to play into the strengths of your slice. Every yeah. slice has a has a path to victory, but you have you can't just play any faction in any slice. You really, yeah. really have to think about what's going to be in that slice and do well with it. I I I, think, I, I, I actually I, think I, I I actually think that in the four o'clock slice, you could probably play most maybe factions. So. And maybe I, I'm just biased because I love Torque and Tekuron as a system. Right. But I, I don't know. It is a good system. Yeah. I, I agree with what Rude is saying. Uh, I, I want to add a little addendum to it, though. But I think it's just that the supernova yeah. neighboring your home system is a unique advantage that none, yeah. none of the other slices have anything like that. I mean, they can't have anything like that. Uh, right. And that is something, it doesn't matter what faction you're playing, if you're using that correctly then uh, then it will work well for you. I actually feel like, because I, I played in the 4 o'clock uh, slice whenever we did our test game, yep. uh, yeah. and I put the, I sat there because Arborek was sitting next to me. So I was like, this this supernova is basically going to eliminate Ar- Arborek as a threat to my slice. Um, right. However, I feel like the mistake I made that uh, that Jaynor did not make in, in he was in 4 o'clock, um, was I feel like you got to make friends with your other neighborhood because you yes. have this supernova on one side, basically making it really unlikely that that uh, neighbor is going to get leverage over you. Um, yep. And I did not make friends with my other neighbor. Right. 
Which well, and you have a lot yeah. of reasons to expand to your right into that neighbor. You you have you have lots of reasons to be over there, so you need to start those relations off right away. Sure. I I also just think though that like that that isn't a bad slice to kind of just sit and like play sort of like how Jnor played, which was very yeah. like you know like let's let's be economical. Not to give yep. any spoilers, but it, like that it just is. I think of the slices, I I think it plays into that style the best. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, we're still avoiding uh, spoilers. We're going to get into spoilers here in a bit. But the last thing I think we want to talk about is, can we talk about how uh, we just absolutely nailed it with those player profiles and like <laughs> yeah, yeah. every read we had on each of these players, they did. I mean, it's like they were our puppets and we just <laughs> told them what to do and right. they did exactly what we instructed. As if yeah, there was but- a script. Oh, right. if there Wait. was a script oh, further gosh. further evidence of the script <laughs> right yeah each each player very much uh played that i mean like to n- n- this makes it sounds like we're wizards or something like, no they, no they they, they told, told us how, us they, how played. they played yeah they told us how they played and and, and they didn't lie you know they didn't they didn't right. make it sound like they played one way uh, but it right. said played uh played the other um and but it was very fun i think the fact that we put out those those profiles before to think about the, each of their different styles and then yeah. see those styles clashing up right. against each other was yeah. very And what, what added to that was the fact that, I mean, all of those players got to listen to that episode too. So right. they went into this with the same kind of preconceived notions about their opponents. Mm-hmm. And so what you saw at the very beginning of this game is, is a couple of these players actively trying to work against it, or even more so, we saw it um, on the Discord for a few days. Like the, the, uh, the moment the episode dropped, all those players knew that the episode was going to be this info. So a lot of them yep. were listening to it like the moment it dropped. And so this, I, I, I want to categorize it as this game started on Tuesday. Right. They started playing. We <laughs> right. have a, on the discord, we had a secret chat room. Uh, it was originally being used for us to just do scheduling things, but it ended up being just this little place for the finalists to all talk together and just kind of hash things out. And for a few days, it was them like, the meta had already started mm-hmm. and they were trying to work out like, oh, I know I, I know it sounded like I'm this kind of person, but it's not that's not completely true. Right. Uh, and and yep. a lot of a lot of that. There's a lot of that. But the, but they were the people that they that you know what I mean? Like, yes. like even if they tried to make it sound that way, they they, they were very much the people. <laughs> yeah, that we described. Exactly. And I actually feel like we like it, some of some of the stuff that we said in the episode uh was almost like it's like we were seeing the future as far as like uh-huh. some situations that did arise. I have some specific right. examples for when we get into spoilers, uh, yeah. but I feel like there are some situations that we talked about that totally came up uh, as right. uh, just a natural result of these players playing together. Uh, I feel like the fact that that was out there influenced some of the some of the events that happened in the game as far as how yeah. the players treated each other. Um, right. I think some players had like a plan, like I'm going to treat this player like this because I know yeah. they're like this. Right. And, exactly. And there was, there was some success of players like playing based on that, which was yeah. crazy. I, I didn't even yeah. imagine that that's how it would actually go down. It seems kind of obvious now, but it was not obvious to us before. Right. 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 Um, okay. Well, should we, um, is this, is this the moment? Is this where we are, uh, 
Should we should we announce spoiler time? Um, right before we do spoilers, let's go ahead and finish off listing uh, what every player played as faction wise, what the faction makeup was, and maybe like is that a spoiler though? I feel like that's a spoiler. That's I think that's now at the is... very beginning of the game. That's hardly a spoiler. Sure. Well, okay. Well, I, we're in I, soft the, spoilers we're, now. Well, so 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 the reason I want to not include this in spoilers uh, is I think if you hear the factions that got picked, yeah, it will true. excite you about watching this game. Sure. And and also sure. even the logic that, you know, this player got this faction, I think is also very exciting. Yes. Um all right. So who who do we want to start with? I'll 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 run down the uh it was we had Janor playing as the universities of Jolnar. Right. Uh but he was playing them in what I'll call a mechatol slice. I'm gonna call them mechatol slices and defensive slices. Yeah. Just so to, to keep the categorization. So Jolnar in a mechatol slice, in an right. aggressive slice. Right. Maybe I should use that term instead, aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, then we had Mage as the L1Z1X, also in an aggressive slice. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had Unaligned Magi as the Necrovirus yep. in a, uh aggressive slice. Nope. And then we had uh, Vaunt Hold on. as the... Oh, what? Uh, Unaligned Magi was not in an aggressive slice. Oh, no, you're right. I'm sorry. I, I, did get, I got that backwards. Magi was in a, in a defensive slice as mm-hmm. Necro. Defensive mm-hmm. slice as Necro. Mm-hmm. Vaunt was the barony of Letnev in a defensive slice. The Nine of Spades was the Nalu Collective in a defensive slice. And Schroeder was the Emirates of Hakan in an aggressive slice. Yeah. Um, so... I, I think some of those are brilliant makeups of like they're in a slice that to me is a little bit contrary yep. to that. I don't I don't I don't know that Hakan needs to be in an aggressive slice, but at the same time, Hakan's aggressive slice was Berglar to four. So that's just like lots of money right next to home. Right. Um although in my mind usually Hakan wants to get a a influence rich slice. But there's really only one slice on this map that can be described as influence rich. Uh, and I think that got nabbed very quickly. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I, I, I think, I think the biggest thing here is Janor as Jolnar. Um, like you said, that's like a, that's like a perfect match. Um, exactly what he wants to do. Play a strong faction that has the ability to power up others easily. Right. Uh, and, and, you know, rise their tides. Uh, Schroeder as Hakan is... Boy, howdy, if that's not a Schroeder faction, I don't know what is. Right, I mean, we were literally talking about how many deals he likes to make, and there's not a faction right. that gets to make more deals than right. than that. Yep, and that combination easily added about three hours to the game time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just, just from the jump. Um, I was going to say, uh, so Jaynor, Mage, Magi, and Vaunt were all playing factions that they had already won games within the tournament yes. as. right. Which right. was very exciting from the onset of just like, wow, like this. And then in, in the fact that Jaynor, Mage, and Magi were playing not only factions they'd already won within the tournament as, but also factions that like, well, this is like their favorite faction. Right. Yeah. Jaynor's Mage- name is literally J- like Jolnar. Like, <laughs> yeah. Unaligned Magi, like his entire calculation of like what things are worth is based off of the necrovirus. Like it all surrounds the economy of the necrovirus. And that is like what he has worked on seemingly more than any other faction. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, lots of really good pairings here. Um, 
And Mage, I, Mage only ever played L1Z1X. All three of Mage's wins, I should say, were right, L1Z1X. Right, right. Um, <laughs> he, he had to play uh, so Yin. So then going his, into this game, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's let's get into it. I think it's spoiler time. Yeah, well, let's just get into spoilers. We, we, so from here we on should. out, if you're listening to this and you want to watch the game, uh, I would I would hang out and not listen to the rest of this episode until you do that. Uh, fair warning, it is a 13-hour long game. Uh, it's, it's a grueling experience. Um, <laughs> but it is, it we, is exciting. It's a grueling, it is a very exciting game. I say grueling. I, we I don't want people mean people to watch this, Matt. No, you're engaged the whole time, but don't try to watch it in one sitting. Right. <laughs> also, like, Give hey, yourself hey, a couple days. I want to throw this out. Don't be afraid to mix and match. You know what I mean? Like, you watch, you watch the first couple hours of it. You're like, all right. I get it. Let's see. Let's hear the boys talk about the rest of it. You know what I mean? Right, Experience right, right. it how you want to. But I guess what the point I want to make is. You gotta, you gotta see it in video. If there's a part of you, you that do. is willing to experience every moment of this game, right? Uh, you should do that. Now yeah. that being I'll said, I'll this out there too. You, you Hunter mentioned it is on YouTube. Uh, mm-hmm. You could also go to our Twitch, and the Twitch stream is up, and the Twitch stream is different than the YouTube video. Yeah. Um, the YouTube video is uh, Alec and I doing commentary. Really, Alec doing commentary. I chime in every once in a while. Honestly, my head was just completely in the sand of moderating this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the Twitch stream, if you go to our Twitch stream, we're not putting that on YouTube, but we're keeping it on Twitch. Uh, the Twitch stream is Hunter and EJ kind of doing color commentary over the whole game. Um, yeah, we kind of But because the players talked so much, I don't know that you guys got that many words in uh, yeah. outside of what they were doing. Um, there, yeah, there's not a whole lot to say about the Twitch stream, but I will, I, I will say this. Uh, we originally planned on like talking a lot, uh, but these players basically never stopped negotiating like the first yeah. round i kept turning them off and i'd be like all right because the next turn is probably not gonna be that big of a deal and then i'd see like their hands moving around like the, yeah. their little cursors moving yeah. around and i could tell by how they were moving they were talking in so i just kept having to turn them back on and i mean <laughs> there there is a large portion of that stream that was basically just like me and ej not say i feel bad for ej actually uh right. because he was there and excited and ready to goof off. And, uh, yeah. and I kind of expected that it was maybe going to be like that. Um, I did spend a lot of time just hanging out in chat, which was probably the better way to do it anyways. Right. Um, right. But yeah, uh, so but let's, let's break this. That. Let's break this puppy down. Yeah. Um, spoilers, spoilers <laughs> right off the bat. Uh, Magi's reputation starts getting in the way and people yeah. are just like, completely unwilling to make deals with well Michael. okay let's 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 be more specific it wasn't necessarily people because i want to give credit where credit yes, is due it true, was jaynor jaynor yeah. what came into the game with a very specific attitude about magi now magi yeah. triggered it in round one magi tried to uh basically bully uh yes. jolnar uh, and make threats and kind of get things done that way and jaynor essentially immediately pivoted to um, so, so it, well, actually, it's good to note that Magi had trade round one, so he was happy yeah. about that. But right. Jaynor immediately pivoted because of this bullying to like, okay, well, me and Schroeder as Hakan and Jolnar can yeah. just cut you out of trade. I will spend right. the token. Hakan gets the six for free, and we right. can just we we can just not deal right. basically. And they were surrounding him, so it like was double threatening for him of like not only is Jolnar not trading with me and not buying into my bullying, but he's doing it specifically with the other person who can start to hurt me. So these two are going to start beefing each other up and they'll crush me if I don't change my tune. Right. And it yep. was it was very smart play on on Jaynor's side. I mean sh- like Schroeder uh, obviously was just excited about 
getting in on the deal. But Jnor very much initiated this, and like the way that he did it was very. Um, Jnor is a very chill guy, as you'll learn yeah. if you listen to it. Like it's his right. his level of chill is he's like the Buddha of Twilight Imperium. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's, it's so ridiculous. His chill. No, what people were calling him, he's like the dude from the Big Lebowski right, of Twilight right. Imperium. <laughs> uh, but like. He, he he goes very nuclear on Magi, like, right away. In his right. very chill way, he very much like, oh, like, oh, you're going to try and bully me? Uh, well, no, and right. yep, we're not totally going to do that. totally shut him down. Yeah. 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 Uh, the other thing I want to point out is uh, Barony was picking third in speaker order, and they were in – there's two slices on this map that are, are much better favorites – for uh, tech specialties, mm-hmm. and one of them is even better than the other, uh, and that's the slice Barony was in. So I would say I think one of the earliest failings by these players was they allowed Barony to get warfare. Yeah. Um, I don't think you need to take warfare on this map round one, but you do if someone with two styles of carriers or whatever is in the slice Barony was in because. Right. Uh, Three tech objectives or three three tech specialties was one of the first objectives out, and Barony got warfare and immediately was able to set himself up in a position to score that. And if we know anything about Vaunt, Vaunt likes to score those early difficult ones, diplo- like diplomacy his way into getting early difficult objectives, and then kind of rest on his laurels and just win from there. So right out the gate, I'm I was uh, immediately afraid of. Uh, how how much Vaunt was maybe going to run away with this just because it's like, oh, he's getting an easy point that maybe no one else in this entire game will yeah. score. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Um, I also want to note, bef- before we get too far away from uh, from the Magi, Jnor, Schroeder dynamic, uh, I yeah. do want to mention that Schroeder, so it's like Jnor kind of initiates this, like, uh, like let's, let's kind of cut Magi off a little bit. Uh, and then Schroeder, uh, because of his... It was such a, it's, it was, I don't know, that first round was so great because it just felt like a lot of the players were just playing right into their styles and we were immediately seeing the effects of all that being played off. So Jnor yeah. takes a stand, right? Uh, he's yes. like, let's do this this way. It'll be better for everybody. And and then Schroeder's like, yes, this will be better for everybody. And then invites Magi back into the trade <laughs> as long as Magi right. is willing to like refresh uh, Nine of Spades so that Hakan yes. can do more trades so jador's right. like let's rise all the ships and schroeder's like yes that's a great idea also can i get a little something to extra <laughs> on top of all of that and could right. there be more trades please there's, there's not enough trades. <laughs> can, we, can we build more ships and raise those up also right, right. yes yes uh, but yeah so i i just wanted to call that out uh round one is so much fun for that that dynamic and even i know you guys right. you know how it goes but you should you that oh, it's such a good round one. Most round yeah. ones in this tournament, frankly, were either boring or upsetting. Like <laughs> I'm just gonna be right. honest. Like a lot of them yeah. were not like super fun to watch. This it's one round was one. invigorating trading. Yeah, like so, you know, yeah. you know how how it is. It's round one of Twilight Imperium. It's very rarely you know something to write home about. It's it's a lot right. of times people just trying to like get set up or yeah, like yeah. you know. It's just, it's just about making the right decisions. Right. Uh, yeah. I, I, right. I the last thing for us to talk about about round one is the speaker token yeah l1 l1 took politics and from the very beginning of this tournament i talked 
frequently about how I didn't think that the speaker token would get sold or should get sold very often and that it does a lot yeah. in TTS games. And boy, was I wrong. Like, right. by and large, it got sold, it got sold so many lot. times. However, in this game, it got sold almost every single round. Yeah, not and not only that, but in round one, it got sold for the most I've ever seen it get sold for, which is yeah. uh, his neighbor, Baronese. Sorry, did I say Baronese? L1 mage yeah, yeah. took... No, yeah, uh, you, you got it right. Okay, took speaker. And his his neighbor to the right was Barony Vaunt. And gave him speaker for his ceasefire and his war funding, his prom- his racial promissory note. Right. Wow. That's a lot wow. for speaker token. Yeah. A lot of times people give up speaker token and are just like, yeah, you can have it as long as I get my first pick. And that's literally it, which I think is crazy that yeah, people would ever give is. it away for effectively nothing. But this was mm-hmm. like, Vaunt was ready to like put up or shut up. He was like, I'm going to make deals with you. And if you make... I think... For me personally, I think this was Vaunt seeing the rest of the round play out like with all these deals yeah. and knowing that Vaunt is like this economic diplomat. He kind of understands the value of things. I think he saw how much trading was going and he's like, I need to prove to these people that I have a lot to offer so that I can get some yep. good stuff in and, return. And I he also set right. myself up as someone who's worth trading with. He also knew that he, he needed to pick early because he was taking an early lead with that public objective exactly yes, and that and was that hugely if, important if he picked after all these people who just got rich off of each other he was going to be in yep. trouble exactly yeah. yeah uh so yeah it was it was a really smart play by font to, to to get in on that like you're saying i think that biggest point being everyone saw him taking those three tech specialties everyone knew he was going to have this point that was going to keep him ahead of the game for a while and so for him to like i need to make sure my round two follows this up nicely is a big deal so i better i better be prepared to pay uh, a lot for it. yeah so having said that round two yeah uh, was I don't, I don't think turned out as as barity hoped it would no certainly not no um not at all not at all hakan was uh vying for mechatorex as well but barony had clearly indicated that um they were going to push for it and they took leadership. Uh, they took leadership so they and and I think they made it pretty public that they were like I'm yeah. going to use leadership because so, I want to take Mechatol Rex, uh, but then of the moment of their first turn they said, however Hakan, I can be bought. I don't need. I see you're trying to go for Mechatol Rex. How much would you pay me to not take the custodians token uh, from you? And uh, they talked for about it for a while. And I remember Root, you kind of had you you felt like the deal that ended up getting offered was actually a pretty good one. I also but agree with that. The The end of the story is Barony did not end up taking any deal. I sort of wonder if Barony was ever actually planning on taking a deal that wasn't something ridiculous. I think yeah. Barony did it to fish for some sort of crazy thing. Like, I want to support for the throne right now. And if he wasn't going to get that, I don't think he was going to take any other deal. But the deal that ended up getting offered was Hakan was going to give him six trade goods yeah. to take Mechatol Rex. And, uh, and he didn't take it. And I just think... Uh, and, and I, I guess I, I speak with a little bit of hindsight, but I, I think I kind of knew that this was going to happen before it did. But making uh, making the decision to not take the deal and go for Mechatol Rex extended him, overextended him yeah. even more than he already was. Like he, I think right. he needed to spend right. round two protecting himself, Full protecting story. what he had, and making yeah. nice with his neighbors. And he, he did kind of the opposite of that. Yeah, this was kind of a best-case scenario where it's like, technically, you shouldn't want to go to Mechatol, and if you can get paid off for it, yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah, like if, if you, you can, can make six extra bucks yeah. and not do the thing you didn't want to do anyways, exactly. that's pretty great. Yeah. Um, 
I've so, literally yeah. made this mistake. Like I've literally had this game yeah. where I expanded to both equidistance. We mm -hmm. haven't mentioned that yet. That's what that's what Vaunt chose to do right. with Warfare was expand to both of the equidistance systems. He didn't even take the system to his uh, to his right. To his right. Yeah. Right. So he left one of his his home slides, which I've totally done this exact move, and then right. even gone for Mechatol. And you cannot extend yourself that much. Right. And and he gets called out right away. I mean, like. He, yeah. he takes the custodian, and Jaynor is just like, all right, I can threaten your I can home system I get into your home now. system, yeah, right. Like, like, Which, and, and it's Jaynor. He has done this before to a barony. Mm -hmm. like, this, is, yeah. this is not the first time Jaynor has made this exact threat, so you got to know he's serious. Yep. Right. Um, now, I think he learned from his last lesson. I think he wasn't <laughs> so willing to do it last time he did it, and it kind of ruined his game. So I think the idea that he was actually going to go into this home system is a little far-fetched. Um, but Barony ended up paying uh, support for the throne as well as opened up one of those equidistance and said, hey, it's, it's all yours yep. um, to, uh, to do it. Um, so. I, I, I got to say, I was the, this round, as far as, as uh, Barony was concerned, I was just feeling like he wasn't taking his neighbors seriously enough. I kind Both of, of them. agree. I, yeah. I, 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 I distinctly felt that because there just wasn't, I mean, besides the overextending, which is like, kind of an, 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 an obvious thing that I think a lot of players have experienced. There just wasn't enough... He wasn't focusing enough on getting... Like, it's like it's like the Magi thing. He wasn't focused enough on winning Space Risk first. Um, yeah. There wasn't enough plastic on the board, and it, and it seemed like it was it was a priority he was kicking down the line and acting like yeah. it was something he... Oh, I can, I can expand to these things and then later get the plastic thing figured out. But I mean, right. like... Not with players like this. Not with not not with players that are this this sharp and 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 see their exactly. opportunities right away. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're yeah. ever and counting this... on one of these players to miss something they could go, do on a turn, they're not going right. to miss it. Right. Basically. So Barney doesn't end up going for uh, for. I'm sorry. Uh, Jolnar doesn't end up going for Barony's home system, but L1Z1X on his other flank does take Aaron Amir from him. So yep. L1Z1N. X is right in front of his home system, right? Uh, With his by, ceasefire, like, the midpoint of this round, and he's holding his ceasefire because he gave him the ceasefire for speaker token. So like, just uh, all kinds of in his way, and now his now all of his fleets are like in interrupted. They're like he's got a fleet that's just sitting in the asteroid field at this point, yeah. I think, and he's well, just, well, slice, the, just looks like a mess because, because of he, the the skilled retreat. So, yeah, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, Hakan ended up. Hakan ended up. Uh, making his own move on Mechatol Rex after the Custodian got taken with a couple mm -hmm. Dreadnoughts because uh, he had, I think he, did he get Dreadnought 2 that round from? Uh, yes, from Jolnar. From Jolnar, yeah. He did, or he yeah. researched it himself because he got Gravity Drive from Jolnar the, the last round. I don't remember. But either way, he had, Dread, yeah, he had Dreadnought 2. No, uh, Necro got Dreadnought 2 from the uh, research agreement. That's how he got it that okay. early. But anyway, he okay, had Dreadnought okay, 2. Okay. Can we give a quick uh, shout out to Jnor for selling research agreement for multiple techs within one tech round? I don't right. know if this is a round that he does that. No, it's not. But uh, it doesn't really matter where we bring this out. Or no, wait, no, no, no. This I think this was the round. Regardless, that he, did he sold he sold research agreement as many times as he possibly. It's just could. like okay, so so he he can do the primary of of tech because he's Jolnar, and so he can research two tech. So he would sell research agreement, research his first tech. And that he would sell research agreement right. again with the, yep. the same. I just. Yep. It to, seems to be clear, obvious, you can only I, do yeah. that to the active player. For anyone listening, right. you can only sell right. it back right. to the uh, to the active player in that case. Right, but. right, right. But still, it's so wild that that he was even pulling it off to that extent. Like Jaynor yeah. was 
very seriously playing within his style of yes. just like if if his if his nugget is uh you know the rising tide lifts all ships he was just playing that to a t basically right yeah but re- yeah. at the end of the at the end of all this hakan does make a move on mechatol rex but then hakan ends up uh giving barony of letnev a skilled retreat so that he can leave because yeah. hakan didn't want to have to fight the actual fleet that was there. It was like a dreadnought and a destroyer and a carrier or something. Right. And yeah. It's like, you don't want to take any losses if you don't have to. And he's a con. So he found yeah. a fishy way to get out of it by just handing over his own fleet, uh, his own skilled retreat to make uh, Barony leave. Yeah, and, and right. That, and, that actually yeah. reminds me. He, he had to buy a flank speed from Necro. He did not have dreadnought 2 yet. And I remember that it's important because Barony had two direct hits in his hand. But during that first right. round of combat, he didn't land any hits. Uh, yeah. so he, right. he was offered the skilled retreat and, and kind of had to take it. If he'd landed, I think even one hit, uh, he probably would have stayed, right? stayed and probably would have won. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Hakan Necro relationship. Cause you were, you bring that up. He, he bought a flank speed, uh, from Necro, but that was a part of a larger deal, which was that Necro wanted to get into, uh, Hakan's slice. Necro was wanting to get a certain trait. I think he was trying to get. A hazardous planet? I don't remember exactly. Or maybe he was... I, I don't remember exactly which planet he was trying... He was trying to get Centauri. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Necro wants to come in, but but at this point, Unaligned Magi has already shifted his plans of, like, I can't be a bully. This table's not going to let me bully him. Right, so I, right. need to, I need to do some position swapping. Um, so Necro uh, goes in to take Centauri, or starts saying he wants to go in to take Centauri, and says, what, what can we do here? And... Uh, he ends up giving Hakan a flank speed so that Hakan can make other moves instead of taking Centauri Grawl. Uh, and then by the end of the round, he still also allowed... Uh, he, he still also got to get Grawl. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I, I want to call that maybe out. Maybe I'm getting I, it backwards. I, th- I, think, I think I got it backwards. I think Necro wanted Grawl. Regardless, the, they were going to share it, the it system. Does, yeah, it does. The important part is that they negotiated sharing a planet. And, and, and I do want to call out uh, Magi... Uh, for this, uh, calling him out. I mean, it's not a bad thing. I, I'm what I think is really great about watching the game from Magi's perspective is how much he comes into the game and he's like, "I'm gonna, I'm playing Necro. This is, I'm in my wheelhouse." And yep. he's like, "I'm gonna do the thing I want to do." It gets so thoroughly denied by the table, and yep. he immediately starts trying to shift his right. uh, his play style, yep. uh, which yep. is like, you know, it's kind of hard. It's it's hard for someone to play Twilight Imperium like how they don't like to. I mean, Matt, I think you can totally attest to that. I have seen yeah. you so many times be like, I shouldn't be doing this gambit right now, yes, but I am exactly. a gambit guy, so I'm doing it. <laughs> yep, I, I, I'm impossible of playing against my own character. Um, uh, and so. yeah, it was it was pretty wild within round two to see how much the meta had already shifted as far as Magi was going. He was negotiating right. with Hakan. Him and Jolnar started to feel more like a good thing, uh, even as early yes. as round two. Instead of right. it was very contentious round one, but it really right. started to change. Well, already. to the point where Necro's plastic advantage, he's he's actually starting to do his Necro thing, mm-hmm. to where Jolnar goes, okay, you're not threat, you're not you're not actively threatening me, but you now have a threatening presence time to do our ceasefire swap mm-hmm. um whereas like basically the round prior i don't know if that's something that necro had been asking for but it's totally like normal for necro to have been like let's do a ceasefire trade and jolnar in the in round one didn't sound willing to do anything like that but in round two he he jumps all over it and right. they they trade ceasefires which is huge for both of them yeah. uh because they're in these two slices that are kind of like designed to fall into each other and they're going to push into each other's different directions. And both of them, well, 
in Jolnar's case, there's a now seemingly weak barony on their left that they can just go all over, and Necro is Necro and already partially in Hakan's slice. So, like, they're making this deal at the perfect timing of, like, I need to double down on this maybe weak neighbor I have mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, do we want to talk about what Schroeder did that was very, very devious, super devious? Yeah. Probably. Yeah, let's do that. Probably the most devious thing that happened in the whole game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so we were talking about how there's a lot of speaker trades happening. Um, Hakan had politics, uh, Schroeder. Uh, so he uh, does a speaker trade to Nalu. What does, does he get anything out of that? Does anybody remember what the actual trade was? I don't think he just I gave don't. it to him for free. No, he didn't, but I don't remember what it was for. Yeah, so so he gave it to him for something, and, and he doesn't get to see the agendas before he does that. He has to make that call right. first. So he, yes. he made that deal, but then uh, perfectly, like it could, this again, we did not rig this, but right. <laughs> he draws his agendas, and he draws public execution, and he right. just puts that on top. Right. So that In he's theory, now, public execution should never see the light of day, because if you're the speaker and you drew politics... You wouldn't. The public execution is the agenda that makes you lose speaker and makes you lose all of your action cards. So it's like it's so dumb for anyone to ever put it on top, unless mm-hmm. you just sold the speaker token to your right, and now you can get that speaker token right back in the agenda phase. Right. <laughs> uh, so this was this was Schroeder's plan. He put public execution right on top, knowing that the players would probably decide to uh, do a real dirty one to Nalu. Right. Um. But. Boy, it was a long agenda because that is not the end result. No. Uh, I don't know, Root. Can you walk me through, like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Quickly, but what, what, what is like the all the ebbs and flows of this agenda that happened? So first, table's kind of like, oh, we should, uh, we should put it on Necrovirus. Necrovirus seems like a threat right now. Mm-hmm, and then they were right. like, well, Jolnar seems kind of like a threat, like threat right now, and we think he has good action cards. Which, by the way, they were right; he had amazing action cards. Yeah. <laughs> so then they were like, "Okay, you know what? We're we're kind of leaning towards uh, Jolnar right now." And then Hakan spoke up and said, "Hey, I got an action card," and showed it to, to Jolnar and said, "I'll sell this yes. to you." And uh, right. that card is the perfect counter to uh, public, public execution. execution. Confusing right. legal text allows right. you to right. choose another player as the target of an agenda that yep. uh, elects a player. <laughs> so he sells it. Immediately, before any votes are cast, to the Jolnar. And then... uh, (laughs) I almost forgot about that. You saying this now is just like, this is like the most poetic thing that's ever happened. And then disaster struck. Schroeder sells away his confusing legal text to Jolnar. Continue, sorry. Yep, uh, disaster struck. And uh, I think the table kind of realized, well, there's only one action card that would be sold right now. And that's confusing legal text. So suddenly Jolnar doesn't really seem like the right choice. Mm-hmm. Right. And then Nine of Spades was like, hey, Schroeder, I can't believe you tried to do me dirty like this. And then everyone uh, elected him to be publicly ex- executed. And he lost all yeah. his action cards. And he had the card to block it. He had the only he way sold. out. He did. <laughs> he dealed his way into a corner, basically. He was like, yeah. oh, I want to. I want to do a speaker token deal. Oh, yeah. I'll do public and, execution. And, oh, and, I want to do a deal for confusing legal text. And then at the end, it's like, oh no. And I think that there were maybe you know two or three mistakes that got made by players in this game. And this was probably the biggest one. If you're sitting yeah. on confusing legal text and this agenda comes up. 
and you're the Hakan specifically, right. you can sell the right. card, right. wait until someone has been elected, yes. and then take everything right. from them to sell it to them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Take every action card they have, and, or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Extract a heavy um, and, price. And even then you shouldn't, because they'll just use it on you if they want. Like, it's, there's, there's just, you just shouldn't give up this card. Right. Uh, let's, let's start digging in to uh, round three. Um, so we see a support for the throne swap between the L1 Z1X and Hakan. Uh, and this is all over a planet. Hakan's on Mechatol, and Hakan's now starting to maybe threaten some L1 space. I believe that's right. Mm -hmm. um, and then also L1 negotiates. This was a very, very long turn for Mage, our L1 player. Uh, it was his turn, and I think it was like a 45-minute long turn with multiple secret conversations and lots of talking and right. lots of thinking. Right. And this was kind of like the, wow, Mage... And, and the issue for it was Mage didn't have a way to score any points this round. He just straight up and down. There was no way he was going to get a point mm -hmm. without sacrificing everything. So what Mage was trying to do was the Mage thing. I have to score some sort of point this round. I have to get something. So he negotiates this deal with Hakan, and then he also offers up the Arnor lore system to the Nalu Collective for another support for the throne. Yep. So in, in essentially one turn, he got two support for the thrones right off the yeah. bat in round three. It was, it was pretty which neat. Was, Amazing, yeah. Um, we also see uh, Hakan move into Nalu's space as Nalu's moving into um, into L1. So kind of everybody's starting to move counterclockwise uh, into each other's equidistance and spaces. Um, but the problem here was Hakan pushed maybe a little bit too far in because uh, Nalu was able to do a retaliatory attack. And I don't remember like the exact results of the actual fight but i do know the more important thing was we saw a successful uh salvage get used um the action card that lets you steal a player's commodities mm -hmm, uh, nalu mm -hmm. managed to get four trade goods off of hakan's uh, commodity <laughs> pile which is a rare feat yeah yeah um especially god for some like after everything that had just happened to schroeder the fact that he lost some commodities on yeah. top of everything right and from nalu and nonetheless <laughs> like nine really he really raked him over the coals for that. Right. Yeah. Uh, it's not. It's not over for Schroeder's round either no, not because Hakan Hakan uh, decides he's going to bail on Mechatol uh, because he wants to go get some planets from Necro that were going to help him score some objectives. Uh, but the only way to get there is through the gravity rift, and Schroeder takes the chance and. One of his dreadnoughts, I think it was a dreadnought. Yeah, dreadnought survives, but he loses his carrier, which means he loses the the lion's share of his ground forces uh and isn't able to i think get the planet he needed at all i think he just then had a fleet sitting above yeah. necro's defended planets yeah. no right. he did uh, and he then did at, take at a, the same I, I believe he did, did take he, a planet there yeah all planet yeah. either way he he lost the carrier he lost some positional stuff and then barony retook mechatol rex so it's almost right. as if hakan never was at mechatol rex anyways uh i think they did get they got their imperial point off of it so yeah. they got one point off of mechatol before leaving but then that was the end of hakan on mechatol rex mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. well an important thing to note about round three is yeah that there was another deal that got made that i would have bet very good money on never happening yeah and that is yep. that nine of spades playing the nalu sold gift of prescience to yep. the L1 Zubinax. And you, right. you would bet good money on that because at the beginning of the game, someone tried to buy it and Nine of Spades essentially said, not on my life Absolutely will not. you ever get Gift of the Prescience. But 
he right. made oh, some interesting deals, okay. Root. Can you, okay. you were there for the secret conversation. Oh. I'd love to hear your perspective on what happened <laughs> and how did amazing. Nalu give up Gift of the Prussian? So, Barony, or sorry, excuse me, L1Z1X had a very specific idea for what he wanted to do with Gift of Prussians. And, and he felt like he was kind of getting boxed in and had to go in one direction and do one very specific thing uh, in order to have any kind of chance. So he took Nine into a private conversation to ask for gift of prescience. And Nine was like, whoa, dude, no, what are you talking about? Let's just go back right now because this is off the table completely. Uh, but with a little bit more pressure, Nine of Spades was like, okay, okay, I, I, I trust that you are going to do what you say and, and use this card right away so they not hold on to it until the end of the game. But... But I, I'm still not sure, so I need you to to do something for me, to to convince me of your the the but, true nature yeah. of your heart. And he asked <laughs> he asked Mage to swear on his wife that he would use this card. <laughs> and Mage literally brought his wife to his desk, put her on his mic, and swore on her that she that he would use this. <laughs> card right wow. away swore on her wow. life and their marriage that he would use gift of the yep. prescience the next round it and that hilarious. gave that gave nalu the assurance he needed and going into that next round he did hold true to that word uh and the whole the whole play he had been talking about was he wanted to invade the barony Aletnev's home system yeah and we yeah. can talk about that but there's a another interesting thing that happens an important thing before that between the two rounds this was yeah. when um shard of the throne came out of the agenda deck. Yeah. Oh, early. Geez. Wow. Yep, it was early shard. God, the agenda phases were just so. They, they were. They were. Like, they, they were, were perfect. Insane. We scripted that. I mean, uh, they came out randomly yes, very well. Right. Yeah. They, it, no, we couldn't have scripted it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, who who ended up with uh, shard originally? The initial was it shard. It was the necrovirus. Was it Vaughn? It was the necrovirus. Oh, it was the necrovirus. Yep. Wow. Everyone voted for uh, an aligned match. I had to take the take a hold. But of like I've said too, Shard of the Throne's an interesting one because it's hard to. I think there was a point where a couple players were like, "Who wants this? Who who can I brought like? Yeah. Right, who can right. I? But like, especially you never, in the mid game, you never want to yeah. buy Shard because the thing is that point is not guaranteed no, for you. It's, to, it's not if yours. it's Crown of Amphidia, Crown of Amphidia, you have to lose a planet in your home system. You could very easily keep that all game. But the Shard of the Throne <clears> losing <throat> one combat to lose the point. That might as well just like somebody should just get elected and move on with your day. I yep. think about Shard of the right. Throne is like that should be a fast vote because whatever yeah. it's going to change in twenty minutes. Yeah, right. So that yeah, that coming out at all, uh, but uh, right as early as it was, it was uh, it had a pretty big impact right. on the game overall, for sure. Um, so part of L one's plan to take uh, Barony's home system was kind of a mistake, unfortunately for them, which was that. Six planets in non-home systems was an objective that was out, but uh, the the non-home systems includes other players' home systems, and L1 kind of, in a daze, uh, forgot this fact, and so the two planets that they took from the Barony Aletnev were not planets that were valid uh, things to get that objective off of, and and to give you know a little bit of. Um, an excuse for L1. This was our only player who was not playing in an American or a North American time zone. Uh, so right. uh, L1 started this game at like 5:30 a.m. their time. They had to wake up Oof. extra early, and I think they ended up like Barely not sleeping. getting any sleep the yeah. night before. They got like three and a half hours of sleep and then got on to play this game. So this was one of the first mistakes we saw out of L1. That was like this: you're you're up against your own body trying to 
keep you from winning this game. You, your, your brain is probably working actively against you right now. Yep. I also want to be nice about it and say that it doesn't really make sense that right. like other players, home system planets don't count towards this yeah. point. Like it doesn't, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's just like a grammar thing. Yeah. I mean, cause it feels like the intention is that you can't count your home system. Yeah, in exactly. It, but like, that, you still had to do work to, to take someone else's home system. It's not right. like you yeah, took them for exactly. free. If anything, it's worth more the fact that you took someone else's home planets. Like, that should be a big deal. Well, it, technically yeah, I, it I, is. It is technically worth two points if the correct stage two objective comes out. Sure, right, if right, the correct stage true. two comes out. Yeah, um, how many of those do you see? <laughs> right. <laughs> but upon realizing this mistake, uh, L1 realizes he doesn't. Th- this is sort of, Hunter, you, you were going to kind of make this point. Uh, about mage which is that mage likes to push really far uh yeah. and and that our our fear for mage going into this was that they would push too far and that that would ruin their chances and right. um i think our argument here is mage decided to back off of barony's home uh planet and kind of it ended up putting him in a weird position himself and if anything because barony was so weak when l1 invaded uh, i think we kind of maybe all agree that he should have pushed further you yeah. should have just been like nope i'm it's, keeping it, this and this is now my double slice and hopefully i can turn it into points in a round from now but for now it, i need to double down on this advantage it's kind of a nuanced thing because yeah. i feel like taking the home system like even i like I, th- I think it was a mistake at that point i think if i had been mage i probably would have been eyeing that home system because vaunt was right just playing it really loose as far as plastic goes yeah um but I don't know that that was the time to do it, really. Right. Um, if you were going to do it, uh, or at least it didn't seem like he was prepared to do it. Um, it just seemed like, oh, like I, if I get gift of the prescience, I can make it happen. It's like, well, all right. It, but uh, yeah, I think after doing it, after making the initial mistake of taking the home system, giving it back felt like a mistake as yeah. well. Yeah. Whereas like, I think after making the initial mistake of taking the home, I kind of felt like it made more sense to just keep it. Like you already right. messed up. Right. You're already not scoring the point. You may as well yeah. just crush another player. Yeah. And, right. and it, right. if it was, it, it, it would have been Vaughn's whole, whole game. And if it was anyone other than L1, Z1, X, he, he A, probably should have made the move in the first place and B, absolutely giving it back and backing off would be the right choice. But you, right. mm-hmm. you have a free setup there, and was able to rebuild right, his right. fleet. Like he, exactly, he wasn't he in danger. Space Icon had a right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now the, the the difference there though is Barony was saying they were going to send every single thing back to their home system. They have to. Barony has to get their home system back, or else they're completely out of this game. Right. But uh, I did and the, the fleet that was going to invade that. L1 was at the very least like no, comparable. No, I th- no, I think no, it wasn't. Mm. No, dude, I did, did the battle the cal- calculator for it. I did the calculator for it. Uh, it was like an 80% his favor. Yeah. I typed it into the chat, too, But I, I, I think at the same time, I think L1 <laughs> didn't want to be left with even just, like, one ship. You know, like, maybe he can win the fight, but how many ships does he get left so with? I don't know. The other, the, other Regardless, thing, the other thing to factor in here is that L1 had Barony's ceasefire. Right. He and, had yeah, all the leverage. Yeah. That's, the, that's a and, good point. And, he had all the leverage he yeah, needed yeah. To, to just hold it and so, never So Barony it. was like, well, I'll take, I'll take your other systems. But, like, he only really could have taken maybe Theba. Yeah, and like yeah. you can, he wouldn't have, you can he wouldn't have done much damage. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I think Barony was in, or sorry, L one was in a, a fine position to just stay yeah. the course. You know, I think from yeah. his perspective, yeah. it was a course that didn't actively look like it was worth any victory points, and that's what he was most afraid of. Yeah, right. was is this actually any victory points, or is this just a crazy thing I'm doing? 
Um, right. But regardless, Barony, to take back his home system, had to abandon Mechatol Rex again. And so Barony's taken Mechatol. Hakan has taken Mechatol. Barony has taken Mechatol back. And now Nalu moves in to Mechatol because he sees that Necro is vying for it. And Necro has Imperial this round. So Nine of Spades as Nalu is just like, I cannot allow Necro to get on Mechatol. Yep. And this ended up being a running theme for the next few rounds. Nalu was constantly terrified that Necro was going to jump on Mechatol. And they just really did not want that to happen. Yeah. Uh, in this case, I think it was valid. In some of the other times that he was very afraid of Necro taking Mechatol, I was kind of like, why are we still like worried about this? Why are we harping uh, on I this think it issue? was a little bit less about Nine being afraid of it at that point and more him trying to put people's attention elsewhere and make someone else the yeah. villain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. An another factor in him sort of being allowed to take Mechatol Rex without much resistance from the rest of the table was that Necrovirus had uh, Neuroglave at this point and could yes. basically at any time also have E-Res siphons if he so right. chose. It was going to be, yeah, it was going to be a huge problem if Necro sat on Mechatol yeah. and people wanted to try to remove him. Yeah. Um, people, people were very excited about the potential of E-Glaive, yes. is what they were calling <laughs> yeah. E-Glaive, uh, right. E and, and, and I will say this, like, we didn't really get it, but... We never and got honestly, e I think Neuroglaive itself is kind of weird for Necro, because it's like, they yeah. want to fight, they don't they want, they're not... Right, well, and that's, that's uh, Ma Ma Magi's argument, too. He says he doesn't like getting Neuroglaive as Necrovirus, yeah. but because of his kind of early game position, he stretched himself pretty thin yeah. early, like, mm -hmm. or not thin, but like he got into Hakan's slice and he was kind of starting to beeline no, towards I... Nalu. He was kind of like, I need to get Neuroglyph because I just need to protect some of my stuff back in my slice. Yep. Um, but right. yeah, he, does, he doesn't love getting Neuroglyph as Necro. Um, yeah. me, at the same time too, he was also making some more deals with Hakan just so that he could keep Hakan at some peace. Uh, and it should be said during all of this, this is round four we're talking about, the 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 spice is running very rich in this game. I oh, mean, yeah. everyone is making lots of deals. People are getting right. very very rich. Uh, Jolnar has Erez siphons, and he keeps doing this thing where he tells people, "If you activate oh, my e home system, trade. Uh, if you activate my home system, I will give you three of the trade goods." He makes four, so he's saying, "I just want to keep one, and you'll make your command counter back in a little bit more of a like." better usable way to currency. spend it which necro in a, in a in a more usable currency and necro is all about this because necro is like i have expendable command counters i absolutely would love to just yes, make some yes, more money yeah, so yeah, magi yeah. was jumping all over it um but so were a couple other players so people yeah. were Baron just like, and both did it a fair amount. yeah um so can we can we talk about the eras deal just the eras deal for sure. a minute what yeah. where do you guys because i was obsessed with it i was like this <laughs> should be jolnar standard play right forever yeah. And I just wonder, do you guys feel that hot on it? Because I just thought, it, because it's costing your opponent a command counter. Right. And yeah, you're only getting one trade good off of it. But like it's costing your opponent something. And the, and they're really just turning their command counter into uh, a trade good. If, if Or to trade goods, if you think of a, about it the way that Magi does. But I think do he was in it? a unique position for it to be effective. I don't think most people have command counters that they can use. Yeah. On I think most, for me, most rounds I'm in, in the factions that I play, I'm using every command counter I've got. I don't have extras to go get three trade goods. Yeah. But Barony Aletnev, in theory, starts with two extra... Uh, command counters and, per round. And had Aaron M. Mir in those uh, slice. Yeah, and had Aaron M. Mir, so he was very rich with command counters. Necrovirus is great with command counters. Your other option could be something like Soul. Those three factions have these command counter advantages that, yes, they can do it. I don't think you can do it with anyone. I don't think enough people will take you up on the offer. Sure. Fair, fair, yeah. but 
you just mentioned a lot of very popular factions. That Absolutely. Play. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It, it has the, those factions are probably in your Jolnar. It has yeah. the added benefit of potentially protecting slice or uh, systems from your neighbors. If you say, I'll, I'll give right. you three of these trade goods, just put your token in this maybe slightly vulnerable, vulnerable spot. I want to make oh, sure you don't Oh, yeah, attack. right, right. And right. then suddenly they, yeah. it's sort of like a mini diplomacy. Yeah, we loved that point of it, of the fact that, like, Jolnar was getting Necro to activate his home system without moving in, and it was like, if ever I have a weak home system, like, he's not going to move in on it, because yep. he's just going to make money off of it, and then not be able to do anything about it. All right, of that being you could, said... You convince them to do the E-Res deal early, early in the round, exactly. and then you can move out your ships, yep. right. and yeah, that yeah. Is, it's great. It's great. Um, so people are rich, and because we wrote a very, very good script for this game... Uh, in the next agenda phase, economic equality came out uh, right after spend 16 influence uh, came out as, a, as the first stage to public objective. So we get a huge spendy objective. Everyone's got huge stockpiles. Boom. Economic uh, equality. Did I say initiative? I don't know. Economic equality comes out and they actually do vote for it against right nobody yep. and everybody ends up yeah, with they, they no trade so, goods so for anyone um, anyone Barony, who doesn't know the text of that card uh, at the end yeah. of it everyone either ends up with five trade goods or right. zero trade goods so if you've been there's stockpiling no way out of it you just you get yeah. burned hard it's the worst agenda because there's no way out unless you have a veto or your extra like there's literally no there's no option to just like maybe be okay you're yep. gonna lose your stockpile one way or the other yeah. um but at the end of the day too uh, it was a huge agenda, and people were putting lots of writers down, and Barony even scored an Imperial writer off of it. Yeah. Um, so mm -hmm. helped them in their kind of, at this point, slightly dire situation that they were yeah. starting to fall into. Yeah. It was kind of an Imperial, uh, a pity Imperial point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, oh. so so round five, uh, we're starting to see uh, the, the first stage two has come out, right? As soon as the first stage two comes out, you got to think of yourself in endgame territory. Uh, people are... People are, you know, at five points, five or six points. Uh, and people saw very quickly that the Nine of Spades, there's a route for Nine of Spades to win that round. Or at the very least, get very close to winning and be in a situation that's very hard for them to stop in the following round. Mm -hmm. So people are already starting to call out Nine of Spades and say, we got to do something about him. And he's got like three or four players saying they're yep. going to start and that's chopping him up. That strategy phase lasted between like 20 and 30 minutes. It was a long yeah, one. It was yeah. huge. Um, and so in the end of it, the Nalu Collective decided to take diplomacy, probably the least effective thing for them in terms of actually pursuing any sort of advantage, but it was purely just like, I have to save myself. Uh, and the other thing Nine of Spades decided to do is he had enough influence to spend 16 influence at the end of the round, but because everyone was seeing him as such a big threat, uh, leadership got played very early, and he was just like, I have to get this target off my back. I'm buying a ton of command Yep, he just dumped and making vir them virtually all of his influence into counters. Just, and, and, it, and it worked. People were like, oh, well, people, okay. People, he can't score yeah. these points, so... We're not really going to worry about I stop right him now. when I could then spend this round working on my own thing. Yep. I think it was a good play. Uh, I know, Hunter, you sort of had a, a slight gripe me. with it. Yeah, Yeah. no, it, it, it scared me, and I, I, I felt like at the time... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not afraid to be wrong on this show. I thought <laughs> that, uh, that he needed to take politics. Right, to, I thought to that gear nine, for a round six. Yeah, because from my, from my perspective, I was like, nine basically... At that point, I thought had it in the bag mm -hmm. that it was like, and the thing is, I still don't like. I, I don't know what would have happened if, like, I know pe people were people were at the time 
really hot on on painting um, a target on Nalu's back, and and I felt like he needed politics because it felt like the next round was going to be the last round, mm-hmm. and Nalu doesn't have because of the zero um, doesn't have that same reliance on getting a specific strategy card. That's for sure. Yeah. But also, like, why lose speaker advantage yep. when you don't have to? Sure. Um, and he he used diplomacy um, like right and like and like I think I think he definitely effectively got the target off of his back, but it felt really risky to me. I was I was yeah. scared as to like is he giving up too much right. in order to get this target off of his yeah. back? I and think there I was a felt threat of that. confident that he that he that he had. Yeah. Um, because essentially that round focus almost immediately shifted to Jaynor. Yes. It, it, at least on the stream. Um, right. I could not see everything. So obviously I, I felt a little behind as far as like right. who's going to win and who has a path. Right. But Jaynor immediately started seeming like he had this in the right. bag. And, and it, you know, going into this round being like, nine's got this. And then he picks diplomacy. And I was like, well, he's it like, and then he spends all of his influence. And I'm like, well, so he, he definitely does not have it. Yes. Right. And, and the reason Jaynor got put in such a strong position is Magi actually was trying to pull off some slick stuff. He, he just had to find ways. This is, this is now the new diplomatic Magi we're looking at. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. he's just do, trying to figure out what he can possibly do. And he becomes very honest with Jaynor and says, listen, I will give you my support for the throne. If you build a space dock underneath I, I, you own this planet and I have ships above it, or I think he hadn't moved in yet, but regardless, he was like, I'm going to put ships here and I want you to put a space dock underneath them and I will give you my support for the throne. And I think there was another part of the deal. Uh, I think it was just that he wasn't going to invade his stuff. The the end point being, and the, the table was not into this because Jaynor was already looking okay, but Magi was like, I'm going to get two points off of this because I'll blockade his space dock and mm-hmm. I'll do another secret yeah. and, or I'll do another public, whatever it was. It was two points, but Joel Nahr was essentially going to earn three points yeah. off of this positional deal. Yeah. And they, that's another thing that the table spent a lot of time discussing. There was, there was yeah. a very, very lengthy, at times a little heated discussion about whether or not Joel Janor right. should, was this King making whatever. Right. Right. Um, but what this what this ended up with is if if everything else goes right for Jolnar, all he has to do is become the gatekeeper, uh, and, and yeah. then he'll win. Uh, and the alpha wormhole is kind of far away from him, but it's there's there's certainly a route to get there. Uh, and he's also uh, even though the table like I, I wouldn't say people are afraid of him enough at this point, and he's telling people to activate him, and he's you know he's doing this same Erez siphons deal. Um, and it's making it to where nobody's like dealing with him. So this whole time we're starting to get worried of like, oh, is this, is this it? Is this, you know, is he going to steal a victory in round five um, where right. nobody, you know, it would have been like a five point swing or a four point swing or something like that. Um, and he also keeps stalling with all of his action cards. He's really waiting this out. Essentially what he needs to do is he's waiting for um, ships to move out of his way so that he can get to the alpha wormhole. I believe was the end result. Like he, he just, there was mm-hmm. just like single ships all over the place. All these players were very good about gumming up works. Um, and at, a, and at one point, finally, Nalu moves a destroyer out of his path. And Jolnar has an opportunity to go move in on Lodor. Uh, part of this is he needs to get the shard of the throne. And the only way to get the shard of the throne is to win a ground combat against the Nalu on Lodor. And that is certainly not what the Jolnar is known for. Uh, winning ground combats um so uh the board sees this though they see that the opportunity is open and 
um, suddenly this is when all the deals start getting made, right? Like Hakan starts receiving flank speeds and in the silence of spaces so that he can go jump on uh, on Jolnar. Uh, they recognize that it's probably. They, I don't think they ever nailed down exactly what secret objective he had, but it, they no, were like, no. In fact, in fact, they had it wrong. Yeah, they um, thought he they it, thought he needed five dreadnoughts, and so they right. were just looking for somewhere to kill a dreadnought. And they almost convinced themselves to target somewhere else, but they they finally did target Quan, which was the system, the one system they definitely needed to attack. Mm -hmm. uh, so Hakan blocked um, two points from Jolnar because they took out the Beta Wormhole. And what was the other aspect of it? There was a second point. I guess the shard. It was taking the shard of the throne. Um, right. So so two points that Jaynor needed to be able to win that round were removed from them, and it basically took them out of any sort of contention for that round. Um, and uh, this, this also, there was a moment where Barony had a shot to win, but kind of had a misplay. I forget the exact specifics of that. I wonder if you remember, Root, what, what was going on there. Yeah, this was something you guys could see. I had no right. idea what you were talking about. You, were, you, you sent me a message yeah. in the middle of it being like, Vaunt has a path. And yeah. I, like, from, from not being able to see the cards, I had no idea what you were talking right. about. Um, I don't remember exactly but i know he needed light wave deflectors and to attack yeah. like a very specific person a very specific place right um and then uh the I, end result being it got, though, it got that this so it, his, yeah um, this victory this victory was content there was a move that he needed to do and then he needed to play focused research yeah to be able to get Lightwave Deflector to pull off a second move. Yeah. And, Maybe of course, he, like... Focus Research is an action card, and it got sabotaged because everybody kind of saw through what he was doing. Yeah. Uh, he had been stalling just like everybody else had been. Uh, there was actually, in round five, there was this interesting three-way stall. Schroeder, Jolnar, and uh, Vaunt worked together to stall out leadership from the entire board so that they could pull off this maneuver to stop... Um, you know, Nalu and all these other people, but in the end, like, Barony was hanging in there just because it was opening up a chance for them that didn't end up uh, working out. Um, and this was also the round that Necro put, um, what's that, what's the agenda called that you either reveal a stage one or a stage two public objective um, incentive program? Yep. I don't yep, remember. That's yeah. Correct. yeah, it was so incentive he, program. He put that on top. And that was kind of his only path at this point. Necro is actually starting to run out of options. The stage twos mm -hmm. are just not things he can score. He scored almost every single stage one. Maybe by this point, I think this round he scores the last stage one he needs to score. He scored all and of his secrets. he scores secrets, all of his secrets. Yeah. And everybody else has traded away all support for the thrones. So there are no more points open for him besides stage twos. And he's just trying to mm -hmm. figure out what he can do. So he puts incentive program on top, but the board... There's too many other people to worry about that they that was actually their first veto. They get rid of incentive program, mm -hmm. but then luckily enough, classified document leaks still comes out, and so now they have to open up a secret objective to become public, it's and just, they end up voting on so uh, Nalu's control I, I, of the region. I, I, I want to correct something real quick uh, sure. because I, I was actually when I saw incentive program, I was like, "Congrats, Magi!" Right. Because they had actually already used veto earlier. Mm, um, and we right. had just reshuffled the deck That's right. and it had gotten back out there. You're right. But if veto had not come out, I really wonder how that game would have panned out for, for, sure. for Magi. It would have been really, it would have been really interesting to see. But I, I honestly thought that agenda was about to save his game. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. And there was a lot have. of debate over which secret objective, uh, a lot of writers came out on this one, which is really weird because this is, it was all about blocking. classified documents. It was all about blocking certain objectives. Yeah. Um, and, and control the region is one that is like, it's not that hard to do, but it can right. be hard to do. It, it's so it's it very easy to stop. It's easy to stop. It's easy to stop. Yeah, exactly. That's very important. Exactly. Yeah. 
Um, so going into round six, uh, Necro takes Imperial. I think almost more as a blocker than anything else. Uh, Unaligned Magi strikes me as the kind of guy who, if he thinks he can win in the status phase, he probably would have just taken leadership anyways. But I think he mm -hmm. knew there was no path, and he didn't even have an exact path yet, but there was no path for him to win that didn't include Imperial. Yeah. Um, right. So he had to take that. Uh, Jolnar took leadership. Uh, Barony took tech because their focus research got taken away from yep. them, and their mm -hmm. only path to victory he is had Lightning Deflector. So 100% guaranteed to, to be able to do that now. Um, the L1Z1X took politics. This is kind of like, oh, L1s, they, you know, scoring early is helpful, but also let's just bank on around seven. Uh, mm -hmm. Nalu takes trade. Uh, this is in an effort to get um, enough trade goods for spending 16 influence outside of their right. planets. They, they already had right. a decent stockpile again, and this was just going to help improve it even more. Yeah. And then Hakan saw no other route besides Warfare because there was just too much action on the board that they were going to have to deal with. Uh, warfare was their pick. So what's interesting to me about this is so many rounds, uh, so many end games of this tournament uh, we saw diplomacy being the deciding factor in the final mm -hmm. round, right? Dipl mm -hmm. Whoever ends up with d diplomacy has enough protection and also is going early enough in speaker order that they end up winning the game. And in this one, we didn't even see anybody take diplomacy here. Nobody's even considering it an option. There's too many other things that have to be done, which is more to say nobody had a safe victory yeah. going yeah, out that, this round. That's sharp well, of the I, throw, I, I'll say this. This, yeah, it felt like Jane. It felt like Jaynor had the safest victory at maybe this so. point of the game to me. But again, I didn't get to see everything. But I felt like Jaynor had just the easiest path. He, at this he, point. he had a somewhat easy path, but also everyone knew exactly what his secret objective was at this. Well, point. Well, only so one he, of them. He doesn't have. There's no mystery. So, so he, they knew one of them. He actually, yeah, he had two. Oh, that's true. This he, is important. <laughs> he had occupied the seat of the Empire, and fairly early in that last round, took Bagatal Rex with enough ships to do that, and it was sort yeah. of disguised as a like protecting it from other people sort of move right and also he had pds mm -hmm. on it so it was like no one really wants to attack that and no one looked at right. that as an objective they focused on the objective yeah. they 100 percent knew he had which was the gatekeeper and the, the wormhole right one, and preventing right. Mm -hmm. it and he that. got he got lucky there too though because he didn't have mechatol rex at this point he was probably still needing to become the gatekeeper but one of the first actions was nalu deciding that they needed to jump uh, they were really afraid of Hakan having a path. And they were like, I have to get this Shard of the Throne off of Hakan. Um, and so they they abandoned Mechatol Rex and went into the uh, Gravity Rift. And this is all also part of Nalu actually had a decently safe path to victory. Um, and with the Zero Token, it's even better. But they have to survive the round and they have to survive with the Shard. So Nalu's right. whole round suddenly became about, I've been the Nalu this whole game. My gums are all, or my, my, my works are all gums. I've got a single fighter in all these different places. But now I need to reconcile all those forces into single armies that are very, very impossible or difficult to beat. I can't let a single fighter sit out there because then if I get the shard, all someone has to do is come kill that single fighter. Yep. So his whole last round is I have to consolidate my forces. Uh, and so he, he jumps on this gravity rift, kills Hakan inside the gravity rift, and gets the shard of the throne. And um, uh, Necro uses Imperial. There was there was a world where oh, wait, Necro... Oh, wait, 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 wait. We what? don't want to talk about Boot the Dude at all? <laughs> Feel free to talk about Boot the Dude. I want to okay. avoid Dude it, but we can boot the oh, Dude. Did you want to avoid it? Well, because no. <laughs> it's pretty... I mean, it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, and, and this is... I don't know. The, the importance of, of this ruling... Uh, I think Matt. I think you are making it too important. No, in your head. Sure. It's 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 not a huge deal, and I think he would have figured out 
another way to accomplish this. Uh, but like Matt was saying, was sort of leading up to uh, Nalu, it's in Nalu's interest at this point to consolidate their forces and for there not to be fighters sitting out there that where the throne can just be taken easily right. from it. So Nalu pulls this this maneuver that we're probably going to call forever as the boot the boot the dude moment Hashtag uh, boot where the dude. Nalu is going into a gravity rift uh, with a carrier and then there are some fighter twos and that's always it's, it's right. going to get weird but the carrier's um, fully loaded with the carrier's infantry. fully loaded the carrier is fully loaded of infantry however whenever the fighters and carrier and everybody meet up in the gravity rift he decides to boot one of his dudes out of the carrier into the rift, literally kicks one of his guys off <laughs> into to a die. black hole. And then the, the fighter has to snugly fit inside of that carrier immediately. Right. Um, and the reason it has to do this is because otherwise they'll be violating uh, fleet supply. Right. They'll have too many uh, things. Right. Um, but he would rather have the ships. He would rather have more fighters so that that fleet is harder to kill. Yep. So one yes. extra fighter, and, and, or in this case, two extra fighters, because they're half well, capacity. Well, also, also, it's just so that he doesn't have to leave the fighter sitting exactly. there by itself. Right. Right. That's he the has problem. to move it out of a different system and get it into this system. So this was the the main, the only real moment where we had to basically stop the game and go deep into rules lawyer mode. Yeah, and, and I hate and I, I hate being there. I hate that world. Um, and you, did, I, and I, I understand not wanting to bring it up, but it is in there. If people watch it, they'll be like, "Hey, how come you guys didn't talk about this really crazy yeah. moment where everything <laughs> yeah. stopped?" Yeah, because it was it was a lot. Um, it was a lot. We one. did. It was a lot, and, and we decided and, and, to boot the dude. There's still controversy about whether or not it's okay to boot the dude, but uh, every ruling we have suggests the boot. Yeah, the I'm 100 percent on board okay. with booting the dude. Yeah, well, no, I, it's, I it's, do have I have some confirmation from Dane. It's not finalized confirmation, but he was like, "I'm almost positive that's what is correct." Um, so okay, but I, I will say this, uh, the, and this is what I said on the stream. Uh, this is one of those things that's in such a gray area yeah. that I would not be surprised if the ruling changes. Yeah, but. Guys, we we give you we we try so hard with this stuff and and all I know is that right now in this game right, right now right. that if you're listening to this right now as it's come out, booting the dude is okay. was legal right now. <laughs> if it's not legal a year from now, Whatever. I won't be super surprised, but it was legal today, yeah. so that's what happened, okay? Right, right. So sit down. Yeah. Um, so there was a world where Necro could have stalled out Imperial, but I think he just kind of was like, I can't like let all these things hinge on weird stuff. So he plays Imperial on his first turn. I think his first turn. He plays it early so that he can score that control the region secret yeah. objective that is now public. It was actually kind of and funny. He, that puts him at... He, yeah. he was able to, to do it first round because they, uh, they tried to attack one of his little mini fleets that was, uh, you know, right. acting as one of those six, and he had a right. uh, skilled retreat, and then no one else yes. was able or willing to attack him, so he was able to get that point off Imperial uh, right. during the round. Um, well, and wait, this... wait, wait. No, 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 no. no. Th th was that not the moment where he pulled the skilled retreat out, someone sabotaged oh, yeah. it, and then he pulled out another skilled retreat? That's right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. He had two so skilled retreats. he played retreats. Two, two skilled retreats <laughs> in order to lock that in. Um, so this had a hugely this had a huge implication on the round uh, because what this did was it put Necro at nine points, yep. uh, mm -hmm. and which means all that Necro needs to do is win a combat against the player with the shard of the throne, and they win automatically. It will be their tenth point if they get that shard of the throne. Um, so everyone knows this, and everyone knows Necro is now this terrifying thing, and we cannot let the shard fall into a an area. It can't go to a player that then has a fleet that is susceptible to a Necro fight. Uh, and Nalu is the one who holds it. Um, uh, 
uh, we're also in a situation where the only way Nalu can win is if they hold the shard of the throne at the end of the round. They did not have enough other points. If they if they lose the shard, they'll score and be left at nine points. Uh, we also have a situation where before this, the fight Barony is getting Lightwave Deflector for is two things. Barony is sitting at eight points, and Barony needs to get the shard of the throne. And in that same combat, ideally, they have win a fight against the victory point leader. So if they can, if the victory point leader holds the shard of the throne and they attack that person and win, they get two points in one combat yep. and win the game. So it was really awkward for him uh, because he needed nine to not have it and Necro to not have it. He needed Jolnar or right. Khan, who were sitting at eight, exactly. to take it and go and, to nine. And the big, problem, the big problem with Necro scoring that control of the region was before that, everyone was at eight. He had like four targets, but because Necro scored that point mid-round with Imperial, yep. it made it to where he only had one option or he needed other players to get that shard of the throne. So he's just sitting there all round, stalling out and waiting and hoping the shard of the throne passes around enough times to where he finds a target that he can jump on and, and have a successful fight against. Yep. Um, meanwhile, Hakan, Jolnar, and Barony are now stalling. Oh, this is the round where everyone was stalling. They were stalling everyone out. Everyone was running mm -hmm. out of actions. Um, I, I, I mistook that for round five. Um, so yeah, they, they, I believe it was... Uh, yeah, Jolnar had leadership, yep. and Jolnar was refusing to play leadership, and Hakan, Jolnar, and Barony all had a decent amount of command counters, and uh, Hakan was dealing out action cards so the two of them could stall so that nobody else could take any other actions to be able to win any sort of victory. Um, and, and they're all stalling out, trying to find opportunities to jump on Nalu to get that Shard of the Throne, find a, find a good fight or whatever. Um mm -hmm. So the round goes for a long time. Lots of discussion. At basically every single turn, it's like, who could win right now? How do we stop them? What are, what are the exact things that need to be done? It was like this crazy long negotiation. Um, and at a certain point, Vaunt has been stalling out this whole time. And finally, it comes to a point where it's like, I, I have two command counters left. I cannot wait anymore. I need to initiate the strategy. And so the new version of his strategy is, what's nice is he has fleet logistics, so he still, in one turn, can win, but now he needs to win a fight against Necro and also win a fight against the player who holds the Shard of the Throne, which is Nalu. So he has to win mm -hmm. two fights. Um, what's funny here is, as people have pointed out since the game, he made the wrong decision um, because uh, he went for a fight against Nalu first. Now, the end point of all this is he uh, didn't even win a fight against Nalu, so it doesn't matter. He 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 didn't get the point he needed to win. So even if he then goes and fights Necro, he's still at nine. But the issue is he attacked Nalu first. Necro is at nine points. If he had won the fight against Nalu, that puts him at nine. He now has to win a fight against Necro to win. And if he doesn't win the fight, the shard passes from himself to Necro, giving Necro the win. Whereas right. if he does it in the reverse order, if he attacks Necro first, he gets his secret objective, then he fights Nalu and just gets the Shard of the Throne. But he had almost right. put himself in a situation where he could have handed the win to Unaligned Magi. <laughs> yep. wow, this is crazy. the kind of hot potato we were running into in this final round. It was Everyone had an opportunity throughout the course of this whole round. It was absolutely well, can I, wild. Can I just brag about something? Like, if you're not convinced thus far in this episode that this was a buck wild, really fun game to watch, um, we had... I mean, I don't know about Mage, so I'm, I'm not necessarily... I'm, I, I love you, Mage. You're you're great, and and it was so much fun watching you play all these times. But I'm pretty sure five of the six of these players had a path to win. Yeah, that was obvious and there. Right. 
in in the end. Except very, very actually, Vance was not obvious because I could not see what was going on. But yeah. I trusted you. You were right. telling me that <laughs> we were Vaunt freaking had out a in our private chat that like Vaughn was going to get. So it. I yeah. could see it. Like so, five of the six players were just right there, right there, ready to get it. Yeah. That's um, just. It doesn't get better than that. So then uh, there's one last effort here. Um, and I think at this point they see that Nalu is going to win. N- Nalu's got it in the status phase. Yep. D- despite Nalu's heroic efforts to in- convince people that yes. he did not have a score <laughs> right. or a secret. Right. Actually, yeah. we have yeah. to point out the one thing, too. There was a moment where uh, Nine of Spades looked at one of, uh, one of was it Necros? Who's, whose system was it where he said... Uh, you you better you can't um, if you unactivate that system I'm screwed like that it was this Schroeder. was part of his it was Schroeder posturing. because Schroeder, was Schroeder had uh, thank you had warfare. Was, so it was so so Schroeder has warfare and nine of spades pulls this play where he says everyone's saying you have the victory you have the victory you have the victory and he goes if you pull your command counter from the beta wormhole I definitely do not have a victory and Schroeder's like wait how do I stop you if I pull it from the from the beta wormhole and shred and nine of spades goes, well, if you can't see it, I'm not going to explain it to it was, you. It was Oscar worthy. It was Oscar <laughs> and, worthy. And the whole, the whole point here is it was the other activated system. That was the one that was actually the threat, the beta mm-hmm. wormhole. If he lifts the command counter from the beta wormhole, nine of spades is fine, but his other Schroeder's other fleet was the more honest threat. And nine right. of spades double bluffed him out of con- and convinced him to pull the command counter on Quan and Schroeder sitting there going, I don't know. I'm going to, I got to find it. I got to figure out what he's talking about, but there was nothing there. It was, it was like, wow. Po- it was wow. poker pro level bluff. Wow. Um, but the last Hail, Hail Mary pass here, everyone thinks it's basically over, but Jane or says, I have one, I have one opportunity here. Um, if he uh, if he attacks this system uh, and wins the shard of the throne, so the, the the situation is people didn't think he would have it because the only viable system for him to attack Nalu and get the shard of the throne was a system where Necro had a dreadnought and Jolnar has Necro's support for the throne, so right. he he's going to lose a point, gain a point. It's not really going to do him anything. But then an opportunity came up, and I forget what was the other point that he was going to be able to score. It was a it wasn't a secret objective. What was the other available point that he was going to get out of this fight to win? Do you remember, Root? I, I have no, I have no memory of it. At this point, the stream was really messing up, so I did, I missed right. a lot of this. Really, yeah, right. up. I don't recall exactly, but he definitely was able to uh, risk losing the support for the throne and still win. I think it, right. I think it might have been more about the fact that he just needed Nalu not to win. That's what it was. You're right. Thank you. That's exactly what it was. It was Nalu is zero in scoring order, and he was one right, in scoring order, right. and he has the points. He has he has his path to victory. The problem is he doesn't have the initiative order advantage. Yeah. So if he can get the support, or if he can get the shard of the throne off of Nalu, it means Nalu's going to top out at nine, and he will balance out his points. He doesn't need yeah. one extra point. Yeah. He just needs to keep right. what he's got, so he can right, lose the support right. for the throne get the shard and then also, win that way That's it was totally um it. he did have necro support but it was barony's that he lost because barony was hovering over the system with a dreadnought where he tried to make his play and jolnar mm, had to attack that right. uh, that dreadnought in order to get to the grand force gotcha well regardless the end result here was uh yet again jolnar had to fight a 1v1 ground combat against the nalu collective and this time it was for the win Whoever wins right. this ground combat wins the game. And uh, Jolnar's not known for ground combats. 
So uh, they they roll. I think this ground combat went a couple of rounds before yeah. anyone scored it a was, hit. It was, it was kind dramatic. of one of those nail biters. Yeah. But in the end, uh, Nalu scored a hit at the same time that Jolnar scored a hit. I believe they both scored hits, right? Like that. I, I, I believe if, so, yeah. That might have been a different fight, but I remember it being at, like everyone just screaming because the you know the the order in which the dice rolled, it was like, oh my gosh, he might have it. But then Nalu also scored a hit, uh, and that cancel that means that Jolnar does not win the fight, which means that Jolnar does not get the shard of the throne, yep. which means he does not win. And the first thing that happens in the status phase is with zero initiative, Nalu wins the Space Cats Peace Turtles Patreon Tournament Championship. Nine of Spades, Nine ladies of spades. and gentlemen. It was Nine of Spades wow. is the winner. The same player who won the only game that we saw a Yin victory, the only game that we saw a Nalu victory with this one. This was the only Nalu yep. win of the whole tournament. Yep. And the yep. only game where we saw Muat win, which as we said in the knockout wrap-up, it was like the craziest win I've ever seen of crawling from from behind as Muat to win. So a incredibly well-deserved championship for the Nine of Spades. Yeah, yeah, yep. for sure, for sure. Played a great tournament. Nine is a very, uh, he's an unconventional player. Uh, he he every every game we've seen him play has been really just really wild to watch um i had already said like his his prelims game was one of my favorite if yep. not my favorite prelims win um and yeah he's just he's he was the most experimental of of all the players i think so i would say yeah, yeah. like and and also the hardest one to pin down as far as like his faction preferences. Right. I had no idea if he was going to play well with Nalu. In fact, uh, honestly, when he got Nalu, I was like, well, he's not going to win. Because we've seen Nalu underperform. I would say it was even less a nine of spades thing and more just like it seems like Nalu's not doing well. It seems like Nalu's not yeah. good. So that this seems like a, a you know a bad play to go down. But right didn't didn't matter for nine of spades. And what? And I disagreed with you know that stuff he did the the his strategy his card picks pick. earlier. Yeah. I was like, I was really there. There are parts of this where even though like I I think nine of spades is amazing to watch. There were parts where I was like, I don't know about this guy. I don't know about <laughs> what he's doing. And the fact that he still won in spite of all that, it was so satisfying. Yes, it you was. know what I mean. Like it's satisfying to watch someone play and be confused by their play, right? And then they still win, right? Like right. So much fun. So Definitely. much fun. One of the best days of my life. Right. It was a 13 and a half hour long stream. It was a 13 hour long game. Yeah. Well, that part wasn't didn't wasn't contributing to it being the best day of my life. <laughs> but it, 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 it was so much, so much fun. So much fun. Yeah. It was, uh, it was madness. But uh, I, think, I think this is where we got to wrap it up. This has been a long one. Um, yeah. So uh, if you liked this episode, if you liked this tournament, if you like Twilight Imperium, will you please give us a rating on iTunes? Uh, it helps increase our visibility. Uh, it helps increase uh, Twilight Imperium's notoriety amongst the community. It helps find us all more people to play this game with. And the more people that play this game, the more chances we can do a tournament like this again in the future. So there's okay. your little teaser there. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter at SpaceCatsPod. Uh, we do game updates, announcements for streams, things like that. Uh, Facebook, uh, Space Cats Peace Turtles. Uh, you can send us questions on there as well as we have all sorts of announcements on there. The uh, Reddit slash r slash Twilight Imperium, the Twilight Imperium subreddit is where we post uh, all of our episode posts. There's also a map wiki. If you, if, if you, people are always having trouble finding this. I'm going to actually spell this out. Um, reddit.com 
slash r slash twilight imperium slash wiki slash maps if you want to find all kinds a huge resource of maps but also i've posted every single one of the space cats peace turtles uh, patreon tournament maps in this wiki with links to stats where you can input the end results of your game so that we can collect stats on all these maps forever and see how well different factions do on the different types of maps. Uh, all of that is found on the, the Twilight Imperium subreddit. You can also join our Patreon and contribute to this show. We've got a Galactic Council episode coming up here in a couple weeks. So if you want to get in on the vote for the upcoming Galactic Council episode, all you have to do is be a $5 contributing member. Uh, it's it's cheap and easy to get in on on these votes. We do them. We try to do them once per month. The tournament's been funky for some of the Patreon benefits, but now with the tournament over, we can really start digging back into all these things. Uh, we've also uh -huh. got a Discord for uh, lots of fun conversations happen there. That's where you collect a lot of your Patreon benefits. Uh, you can also, because he's been such an incredibly huge help to us this whole tournament, uh, and, and Root, you, you dived into this just on a voluntary basis. We <laughs> were going to do the tournament, and you said, I'm getting into streaming. I want to I do the videos for the tournament. I want to make sure there's a video of every... So honestly, the only reason we have a video of almost every single game of this whole tournament is due solely to Root, who you can follow on twitch.tv slash root r-o-o-t seven one one yeah yeah um, i do i do stream do twilight imperium i stream some other things and hopefully we'll stream some more board games that are a little bit different that are also fun so check it out yeah well and if you if you follow us on twitch too uh we have them set up as an automatic host if, if yeah, roots sure. online we're we're uh, you know, you can go to our channel too to find his channel if you're if you forget that you are ever. Hey, I also want to thank some Patreoners, some Space Kitties. I want to thank Craig and Billy, T.G. Welch, Yin for Life, Patience is a Virtue, Dursta Naderade, and Jim Bob. I, I especially want to thank a few of the all of the, the the Space Kitties as well as a couple of the Good Yin Brotherhood and some Galactic Counselors that helped us test this finals map. I want to yeah. thank everybody who was a part of those two games. Uh, it was a lot of you who kind of jumped in. Some of you last minute. Um, but it was it was very much needed to double check that this map didn't have any glaring flaws. So thanks for everyone who helped out in in those two test games and for keeping your secrecy so the map could stay a secret. And that's it. No play of the week. This whole show was a play of the week. Yeah. This whole game <laughs> yeah. was yeah, the no, game of the week. No play the of the of week. My life. Uh, so that's it. Thanks thanks to everyone. Thanks for all the players. Thanks to all 108 contestants. And uh, thanks again to you, Alec, for, for all the help you've, you've been giving us along the it's way. It's been a lot of fun and can, quite uh, a learning experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, can we uh, do a overall tournament wrap-up next week and have Root? Would you, would you come back next week to do that episode, too? Yeah, yeah, of course. I do, I do have thoughts about tournaments and, yeah, and leagues. Of the and, tournaments in general? Yeah. 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 And commentary. Well, so... Yeah, absolutely. So, you've got you've got another one in us for us talking about the tournament. Uh, we're gonna try and stuff all the rest of our thoughts into next week, and then yep. we're gonna have a beach episode. And by that, <laughs> I mean I'm gonna sleep, and I'm going to I'm gonna sleep on the show. Thank you for listening to Space Cats Peace Turtles, and thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>